0: We've been learning about keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, I'm going to give you keys, plural, to the kingdom. There's no one single key that will unlock every door in your spiritual journey with God. So this one this morning, I probably should have started with this one. This is the biggest key. And so... I'm, I'm going to kind of break this up in two sermons because I really don't want it to be long with it. But the importance of it is, is tremendously, it's invaluable. Really. So at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he's giving this sermon, what we were refer to as the Olivet's Sermon. And right off the bat, he is giving the discussion of handing them the very primary key to unlock a lot of things for their lives to come. So it's found in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll begin with verse 31. It says this. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we be clothed with? Now, for you that do not know this, the word take no thought, if you have a New American Standard Bible, it's referred to as Be anxious if you have an NIV Bible. It will use the words worry. But take no thought is a word called bulimai in the Greek. It means it's a command, not a suggestion. You don't have a choice if you're a follower of Jesus. You're commanded not to worry. So don't ever come to my office and say, well, I'm worried about this. I'll throw you out. It's a command. Take no thought. Now, so that's pretty strong. That's a pretty strong statement that Christ would make as a command and not a suggestion because the word thought, is merimos, the, the derivative of the word merimos means it means to be separated, to divide, to tear apart, to be torn into. We get this word from Hebrews chapter four dealing with the word of God. It's like a two-edged sword. In the Greek, it's called two-mouthed sword, 2 mouths. The first mouth is God speaks it and the second mouth is when we speak it. It's not two edged, It's two mouths. It's funny. But anyway. And once it gets in us, what does it do? That, that it goes in and it divides and separates. Marimos. When the word of God is really spoken in your life, it changes you on the inside. Something has happened and if something is not going on on the inside, then you are not receiving the word of God. You're like a man with plugged ears. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13. He said, I would not let them hear. I plugged up their ears. I intentionally did it. The kingdom was for you and not for them because if they would hear it, they would change and it's not for their time to repent right now because if they repented, they would never crucify me on a cross. Wow. So when he says, take no thought, he's telling them that they're being torn apart by something. Something is dividing them, not only in, in, in their homes and their lives, but their mind is being divided. There's a battle, there's a struggle, I mean, we're, and it's not a surgical, it's a ripping, and it's a tearing in two. And some of you are living examples of what it's like to have something torn out of your life, and your mind right now can be torn apart. And so the question is, what issues were these people struggling with that was on the inside that would cause them to be torn apart, ripped apart, ripped open, separated and divided by three things. Number one, what they would eat, what they would drink, and what they would wear. And Jesus said, quit worrying about that. Because you've heard me say the word worry in the German word, word, and it means to strangulate. It's killing you. And so he goes on to this little essay. So what can you do about it anyway? Tomorrow will take care of itself. So there's nothing you can do about it to worry. There's nothing. That's where all the phobias come in. You know, the phobias going to the dental office the next morning, they got that drill going, that root canal, and you can feel it drilling in the middle of the night, and he sneezes and run that drill through your tongue. I mean, you got all kinds of phobias going on All, the time. all right. Jesus said, it's, it's messing you up. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm not speaking to a third world country. I'm talking to you. You're being divided, and you're being separated, and you're being torn by these three things that divided and separated and tore these people apart inside. What in the world are we going to eat tomorrow? Number two, what will we drink tomorrow? Number three, what will we clothes will we wear? And all three of these are referred to as man's basic needs. That's it. So what about tomorrow? Well, what about it? What can I do about it? What could I do about the windstorm that came last night? Stand out there and go, and I rebuke you? I don't do that. There's nothing you can do So Jesus is giving them, and the things that these people struggle with is the things that we're still struggling with 2,000 years later. These three basic needs. So, Matthew 6, 32, he continues. So after all these things that the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knows all things that you need. So, verse 31 says... Quit worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear because that's the things that the Gentiles, and the word Gentiles is a bad word, it's a word called pagans. That's what the pagans seek. The pagans are seeking something. Now, let's go ahead and go to the primary verse. Everybody knows this one. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added into you. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, yes. can, I, can I take that apart for you this morning? Please do. Yes. And help you put it back together? Yes. Some of you know that verse, but you have no idea what, he, what it means. And that's what I'm here to help you with. The word seek is used two times in two different verses, and they have two different meanings. The first one that the Gentiles or the pagans seek is a seek that's visible and external, and it is obtainable in the flesh. He said the Gentiles would be mind, mind, uh, wealth, prestige, uh, houses, cars, better income brackets, whatever. They can see it and they can obtain it. And that's what they seek for. But he said, but I want you to seek the kingdom of God. That word seek is to search something that's hidden or invisible. It's something that you can't see. So when he uses the word that the Gentiles or the pagans seek after something, but I want you to seek after something different. And there are two different words in the Greek. And that's telling you something. You cannot achieve the things of God. You can get a better job, you can get a better hairdo, you can get a bigger car, you can get a you you, you can in the flesh you can get all kinds of things, but in the kingdom of God, that is an invisible, unseen kingdom. That can only come one way it is by the giving and the distribution of God the Father. Case in point, Romans 14:17 says this. The kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink because you can get meat and drink. Are you all awake? The kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. It's not meat or drink or golf clubs or Harleys or bass boats or tractors. Nothing wrong with that. But that's things that you can get on your own. But the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing, and if you don't know this, that heaven and God is both used all through the synopsis of the gospel outside of Matthew about twice because the Jews was not allowed to say the word God. So they used the word heaven in Matthew. It's the same thing. But he said the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink, but what is it? It's righteousness. It's peace. See, give that woman a prize. The kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. It's nothing, it's, it's, it's none of that. And that's what you've been seeking after. Bigger buildings, bigger churches, longer cars, more money. These things will not produce happiness in your life. Those are things that people seek, but it never has the ability to make you happy. Yes. It's all temporary, because if you had it, then your in-laws would be borrowing money for you. Then the IRS would want their part, and, and it'd make you miserable. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Righteousness, peace, irony, and joy are in the Holy Spirit. All three of these are invisible. You cannot in the flesh earn righteousness. You cannot inherit peace and you cannot get joy in the flesh. It only comes from the unseen hand of God. So the kingdom of heaven is not a TV program. It's not you making more money. It's not a big church. It's not fancy clothes. It's not none of those things. Those things are fleshly and they're carnal. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, a right standing with God, a right mind with God, a rightness with God. I'm right with God. Number two, I have the peace of God, the irony of God. It means the heart of God is connected to my heart. It's called irony. It reciprocates back and forth. And I have joy in the Holy Spirit. And if you have those things, then then you understand the kingdom of God. But if you're just looking for a water baptism or if you're looking for a church doctrine to sign, those things are meat and drink and it will not produce joy and happiness in your life. And some of us are living testaments that we did our very best and we got all the diplomas and the medals and we still failed miserably. And it still didn't make you happy and lives are still being shattered because these, what you're seeking for is the invisible things that only comes from the invisible God. So he's a spirit. God is a spirit, and those that's going to worship me He's going to be worshiping spirit and truth. So to say all that, to say this. So he said, don't seek all the things that the, 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 the pagans seek. They're after it. You know, you can turn on every program at 3 a.m. in the morning, and all these high-dollar ministers that live in all this high dollar stuff, making millions upon millions upon millions of more. And I told you one time, oh Mike Murdoch one time, a long time ago. You know, he's goofball. He really is. You get mad. I mean, I don't care. He's goofball. But, you know, he wants you to send money, send money. So I wrote him one time. I said, I'd like, I got a small church and blah, blah, blah. I'd like if you believe in seed time and harvest, I'd like for you to send me some money. I did. I did. That's when we lived in a Broadway Place. Oh, I mean, I mean, of course, Ron has. We didn't talk about Ron Edge, but anyway. So I did. I wrote him. No, I said, "This is who I am." I sent in a business card and blah 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 blah. And I said, "We're we're a small church, and you know, we're we're just trying to pay bills ourselves. And, and if you believe in seed time and Harvest, please send me some money." And I get a letter in the mail. It's a long one. I said, "We don't we don't do business like that." You know, that's what they said. <laughs> Hypocrite, and goofball, false prophet. That's what it is. It, so what you're saying is it'll only work for your ministry, but it won't work for me. But I told you one time we, on the way back from Waco, Texas, or San Antonio, stopped at a mall. I did not, but I let my little wife shop at the mall and I stayed in the car. And I was listening to a radio station, R.C. Sprouts, And they were, they were advertising a book on marriage and had a little class going on. So I called the lady and I said, hey, I got a small church in Ardmore. We got about 15 or 20 in the class and we're just, I'd like to order it. And I said, You mean get a credit card check? Ah, we'll bill you later. I said, but she, I said, Okay, fine. I gave the address. And so there's a box on the desk. Some of you heard this, but some of you haven't. There's a box on the desk. R.C. Sprout with Legionnaire Ministry. And, you know, he's a good old Presbyterian, but he's a, he's a reformer, and I love him. Great man of God. And I opened up the box. And it was Sunday school material, little pamphlets. And when I opened it up, underneath the plastic wrapping was a $100 bill. I don't mean like somebody kind of wadded it up like some of you do one-dollar bill here. Hey, who's ever wadding up one-dollar bills? Would you quit doing that? If you're ashamed of it, just keep it in your pocket. I don't need money that bad. I love you, but quit that. We're making airplanes out of it. I mean, we're not impressed with your was it paper origami or whatever that thing is called origami or whatever it's called. Anyway. Send a hundred dollar bill. So I get on the phone and I said, hey. And it's wrapped in plastic. I said, "Um, I got your information, blah, blah, blah. And I got a box today. She goes, great. I said, I didn't get a bill, but I got money. She goes, we know. And she said, every morning, the staff meets and they pray over the pamphlets that go out. And one of the men decided to sow into your church. So what I'm telling you is that when you begin to seek God, the invisible things, he'll cause the, he'll cause the visible things to, to come and you're not even looking for it. So what stuff? What things? Matthew 6 and 33, if you don't know this, but it's referred to in, in, in Bible lingo as God's social security system. That's what it's referred to. Matthew 6 and 33 is what Bible teachers refer to as God's social security system. We invest, we pour into, we deposit our whole life into God. We trust him with our giving. We trust him with our finances. We trust him with our children. We push it all into God and knowing that when the day comes, we will get the dividends that he promised that he would give us. Anybody here on Social Security? It's probably not as much as you want to make. But some of us are knocking on the door. But hopefully that the country will stay solvent. I need you to go back to work. Andrew, keep working for a while. I need my Social Security to continue to be paid. So by this, that Matthew 6 and 33 says, if you will seek the kingdom of God first. And this word seek, by the time you get to Matthew 7 and 7, ask, seek, and knock, that's not really what you think it is. But the word seek is zetos. It means to get an education of what in a field of study. That's what that means. And, and you've heard me talk about this, but not to confuse you, but ask and seek and knock, they're acronyms for ask. But the word seek, zetos, doesn't mean like I'm looking with binoculars I'm looking for God because you can't find it. The word Zatos is connected to this word. It means to get a specific skill of in a, in a, a study in a specific field of learning. It's a degree. When he talks about seeking the kingdom, it means this. I should be a professor of knowing the character of God. I should be studying the kindness of God. I should be studying the attributes of God. Somebody said, well, how come God in the Old Testament on the left-hand side is not the God of the New Testament on the right-hand side? Just keep reading further on the right. Get over in the very end of Revelation. You'll see it's still the same God. Amen. So the idea of this, this word seeking is this, that you should be a student of learning about the nature of God. Not just, not just, a, not just a, a hearer, but a doer of the Word. So this is what we do. This is what I do from my, my, all my Christian life for about 41 years. I've sown into his kingdom. I've sown. I've given away three cars Galen and I had. Really, basically given away two trailer houses. We've given away more than basically that we probably have made. And we're doing fine. God bless us with a daycare that's prosperous. I appreciate your giving to me. I mean, you know, we're building a new house. I'm glad for it. I'm not ashamed for it. But I'll tell you one thing. I told somebody. days. Somebody said something. I said, basically not one penny has ever come out to build that house. It's all come through Gator's Daycare. And through the years, I flipped about 11 houses. So I buy one for $50 and sell it for $10,000. So I've, I've made a, a great skill of living and working with my hands, and that's what I'm doing here. So the idea is that, but I'm not just seeking houses, and I'm not seeking stuff. I'm seeking God, and when I seek the invisible God, He will what add things to me. So don't don't want to complain to me that you don't have anything. I'm just asking you a question: Are you seeking God? And I'm not the icon, and I'm not the example of anything, but I'm just telling you, I've learned through the years to put God first, period. Now, this is not a guilt trip, and I'm not Debbie Downer this morning, so don't get quiet on me, and don't start pinching kids and running out of here. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give you a great kingdom key that'll help you unlock a lot of doors in your life. So this is referred to as associate. So how many knows basically if you don't pay anything? You, so so you, you go to the bank. You go to the bank and, say, and you knock on it and say, listen, um, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to draw out about 300000 They say, well, that'd be great. Yeah. Sit down in my office. 300000 That's it. That's it. I want 300000 Okay. So she comes back and she goes, well, the problem is you've never made a deposit in this bank. How in the world can you draw anything out if you never made a deposit? That's right. Oh, it's going to get quiet, but it's okay. It's not about money. Just talk to me. Wait till I get next week about wickedness and laziness. You know the Bible says a lot about laziness? Ooh. You may, want, you may want to stay home on that one. I don't blame you. You're looking at a man that's not lazy when it comes to the things of God. And I'm trying to produce children and people of God, and I appreciate what you do. But anyway... You, as we sow into God's kingdom, that that he promised us that when we need it, he will pay the dividends because we've sown into his kingdom, whatever it may be. Peace, joy, righteousness, and even finances, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, you cannot withdraw unless you sow. Period. So anyway. So before I get to the illustrated sermon, I'm getting to it. The key is giving God our first. I learned this a long time ago. And I didn't. I wasn't born with it, but I learned it. Learned it the hard way. There's three firsts in the Bible. Number one is called the firstling. Abel brought his firstling. Abel bought his best. Cain brought the rest. It's referred to as Firstborn. Exodus 13 and 2, the Bible says, God says, the firstborn, male and beast, they belong to me. And the third one is the first fruit, Exodus 23 and 16. He said, Before you lay a, a sickle to the field, you bring me the first one. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus is the first fruit of many brethren being resurrected. Here's the principle. If you will seek the first, the kingdom of God first, first, firstling, firstborn, first fruit. When we learn to give God our first, then the window of heaven and blessings are opened up to us. But if you don't, they are welded shut. So here's the deal. Smile at me. I don't care what you do. I don't really care. But as far as me and my house, we're going to do it God's way. And we're going to honor God with my first. And I'm going to give him my best and I'm gonna show up on time. I'm gonna go bed early on Saturday. I'm gonna get my mind right. I'm gonna put my glad face on this morning. I'm gonna try to wear clothes that match. I'm, I'm gonna try to give God my best because he deserves my best. And according to what you give him first is he'll pay you through the week. In the natural, you work all week long and they pay you on Friday, but God said, that's not the way I operate. Whatever you bring me on Sunday, I'll make it last all through Saturday. But if you don't bring anything, then you're out of luck. Never come to the church empty-handed. Bring God your vest. Because if you don't, you'll regret it. You'll have that leftover look. You'll have that buttermilk and sired tuna in the icebox look. <laughs> When we talk about this, when he says, seek the kingdom of God first, it's it's a Greek word called proton. It means first in priority, first in rank, first in position. Priority. The definition of priority is what we refer to is the fact or condition of being regarded and treated with more importance than anything else. So if you belong to the amazing community, you know this. So what is my priority? You have a priority. And priority can be put in three compartments. Number one, time, treasure, and thoughts. Where you spend most of your time, where you spend most of your money, And where you spend most of your thinking, that is your priority. You ain't fooling nobody. So where you spend most of your time and where you spend most of your money and where you spend most of your thoughts, that is your priority. And I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it, please because we'll all blush. By knowing what your priority is, proton first, is God your first this morning? Don't answer it. Are you spending time with him? Don't answer this. Are you spending your treasure with him? Don't answer it. And are you thinking on him during the week? Because when he said, seek the kingdom of God first, proton, it means the kingdom of God should be my first priority. You can do what you want to. I don't care. I love you. But I've learned a lesson a long time ago by just giving God the nod on Tuesdays and Thursdays every once in a while and throwing a watered up $1 bill in the offerings. That's nothing. But I don't think anything about going, buying this and that and this and that and thinking about that and that at work and this at work and what I want. You know, we can get consumed by the wrong priority. And, and I learned through the Emmaus community that my priority must be seeking the kingdom of God first. And you're going to say, well, that's because you're a preacher. We're all ministers of God. Don't start that with me. I can go on another sermon You're all ministers. We're all kings and priests under God, Revelations 5 and 5. One of the biggest keys that I want to make available to you is where do you spend most of your time? Where do you spend the majority of your money? And where do you spend most of your thoughts? If it's not on the kingdom and God and his goodness and the, the beneficiaries of blessing other people, no wonder we're messed up. I'm just trying to hear get here this morning to help calibrate your mind back to right. Turn to somebody and say, you've been acting a little kooky anyway. you might want to pay attention. So here we go. so in in, in our in our mind and body, we all have stuff now, 15 to 16 years ago, and I can't remember, because I was about 35 back then. I can't remember. But one of the boys the Emmaus, it was the men's group, they asked a question like this. And, and so instead of me just giving them a, a life lecture, I did this presentation. So if you were at Emmaus 15, 16, 17 years ago, I did this illustration with this verse. Very simple. It's very simple. The kingdom of God has to be first in your life. If not, everything else would be a sorry second. So somebody years ago came to me and come to church a little bit, and they hit and missed on certain things. They were not faithful. They were not good students, stewards. As a matter of fact, they were not even givers of the church, but they hung around. They wanted to use my commode and the air conditioner and church meetings. They just hung around for a couple, of three years. They said there are good teachings like you, and this is not about money. I don't need a pay raise. I got more money I can spend, so I don't want your money. So he came to me and said, this is what's going on. My son stole from me, your own son. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, we, you know, he was 23, 24, 25. He'd come to the house and opened up his mama's jewelry box and stole this and stole some money. And what should I do about it? I'm so angry at him. I said, well, how does it feel? Anybody ever spend time in my office? <laughs> I'm not that guy that goes, oh, come sit down, sugar. Let's talk about this. I said, first thing I said, how's that feel? He goes, well, it hurts. I said, no, how's that feel? You've been stealing from God, and now your son steals from you. And he looked, he goes, do what? I said, I'm no light bulb. He said, do what? You get it, what? I said, I'm no light bulb. You've been hanging around here. I haven't seen one thing you contribute to the kingdom of God. You've been stealing from your father. So God said, here, I'll let you see what that feels like to have my own son that I gave him salvation and righteousness and peace to steal from me. So here's what it feels like. And you know what? His giving increased a little bit. So the idea this morning is the fact that it's not about it's not about monetary things. I'm just telling you that that I would rather have peace and joy and righteousness than, than any dollar figure that you can have. That's right. Yeah. Because dollar figures will not make you happy. It'll, it'll, it'll split the church. It really will. They'll get hungry over the money and then they'll fight about the carpet and they'll fight about the color of the walls. And, you know, Jesus said, We're two or three gathered, you know, a fight will break out. It's not exactly what he said, but you know. So I showed this years ago. So if this is us, and it is us, that we only have the ability to hold certain things, to keep it. Proverbs says, blessed is the man that receives it, but blessed more is the man that can keep it. It's kind of like blowing up a balloon. It's one thing blow it up, but it's another thing let it go and and you lose what you got. It's better to tie the thing off. So what God gives you, he kind of likes you to keep it. You understand that? So what happens is we we all have basic needs. So so I, I wrote some simple things on here that these grains of rice, it's, it's just small things. It's just small things. My wife will be serving this at the daycare tomorrow, but it's small stuff. It's just small stuff. It it's really doesn't matter. It's, it's stuff in our life. It's, it's just stuff in our life like traffic and, and weather and, and what's going on in California and, and the population of cats and stuff like that. I mean, it's just small stuff. It's just stuff that, that we deal with every day, but it's in our life. You got you got a lot of small stuff in your life right now. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal, you know. You. But then, then we 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 have bigger stuff that's that's near and dear to us. It's I'm going to say it's pinto's, and I don't know that, but but it's things like the health and the happiness of our family. inflation and taxes and crooked politicians and gas prices and electricity prices and we got it we're getting close but so we we got small stuff we got we got problems at work and we we got the barking dog and then we got what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and then we have our family members. Will they ever come back to Christ? Will my husband ever straighten up? Probably not. But anyway, so we got it in there, but we left out something. We left out God. Bigger things. Now, the reason why this is so important, there, there are 12 ping pong balls. Now, you kids, whether you're not here, I, I sold you ping pong balls. 12 is a divine number in the Bible. It's, it's, it's a number of government, and I chose 12. If you don't know this, When we start Wednesday nights, I will show you the 12 divine laws of God's government and 12 that we have to be under and abide, And and I listed about six. They're bigger priority. Number one is I'm commanded to love the Lord God with all my heart. I'm commanded to be faithful in my finances. I'm commanded to have an honest relationship with other people. I'm commanded to have respect for the house of God. I'm commanded to have respect for the spiritual authority, and I'm commanded to be a good steward of the things of God, and there's six more. There are, there are 12 tribes of Israel. There are 12 stones on the ephod. There are 12 loaves of showbread. Uh, there are 12 apostles. There's 12 disciples. There's 12 gates of pearl. There's 12 layers of, of gems on the walls of heaven. And there's 12 months of the year. These things are, are the number 12 is a, a number of government and law, according to God. So there's 12 of them that we are the New Testament believers. We must be under. We have to be under. And, that, and, and it doesn't make sense to you until you know the rest of these. But we're commanded to honor God's house. Paul told Timothy that you will teach them how they will obey in the house of God. There's all kinds of things in the Bible. And somebody says, well, I'm free. I don't have to live any of it. You're an idiot. That's not true. The Bible said in the last day, the people have no vision. You know what that means in translation? In the last day, my people cast off restraints. They go crazy. My, my people, where there's no vision, my people perish. It doesn't mean a vision like prophecy or I see that the Lord said. That's not even what he means. It's a poor translation. He said, where there's no government among the people of God, the people cast off strains and they go crazy. You ought to show up at this daycare when you have 80 kids a day when there's no teachers here but me. I mean, I know why tigers eat their young. I want to kill all of them. <laughs> And I know what some of you spiritual people say, oh, no, I, no, I wouldn't do that. Sure you would. <laughs> My eyes on you, first thing. So these 12 really represents the divine laws of God that we are supposed to have in our life as believers. I'm quitting. There's 12 of them. And the reason why I chose 12, because it's the 12 divine laws for the believer. There's 12 of them. And we have to get them all in there. No, 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 no. they're not going and so guess what happens during the week when you start heading back to Cordell well I heard what he said this morning but I don't believe it I don't care if you believe it or not I'm the guy that's smiling every Sunday morning you're the guy that looked like you got a worm shot from the van <laughs> so what happens is in this position right here through the hustle, Mike and the bustles of life, the teachings of God's word and the character of God is, it quickly leaves out and we can't we can't. And that's why a lot of you forget on Sunday afternoon what happened Sunday morning because they spilled out. So as I showed my Emmaus brothers this, and by now, they're wanting to repent over everything. They just want to get me shut up. And I understand. So, what happens if we put God first? Like we're supposed to. What happens if we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? What happens if we love our neighbor as we love ourselves? What happens if we learn how to obey in the house of God? What what happens if we begin to put these principles I'm honest in my giving and my finances? I'm honest in relationship with other people. I'll always tell you the truth. It may take me a while, but I'll give you a lesson and a lecture, but I'll always tell you the truth. What happens if we do it God's way first, like he said? It would shock most of us and it would amaze the rest of you. And then somebody would look at you and say, well, all you got is God. Well, what's wrong with that? What if you don't have a new car? What if you don't have a nice house? Why don't you, what if you don't have all the health that you want? You still have the, the, the components of God in your life. What else do you need? But when you learn to take God first, I hate doing this because you need it won't work out, but Lord, I need a little help on this one. the devil right there. (laughs) Fit. It's amazing. There's no, there's nothing left in the container. Somebody said, well, he's hit something. There's nothing in there. When you put God first, like you're supposed to, everything else will fit. See? it's a great lesson so 15 or 16 or 17 years ago I did this on walk number 48 or 49 to the men and it just amazed them I've learned as a clergy to put God first in everything that I do and I'm just telling you this morning that whatever that you have need of you don't have to be torn apart anymore you don't have to be pulled apart anymore Your mind does not have to be divided or separated anymore about tomorrow, things you cannot change. The only thing that you are obligated to do is in everything, put God first. And all these other things will be added to you and it will fit. Now, lastly, this morning, we're gonna quit with this. This is what it says in Hosea chapter three, talking about seeking God. Seek the kingdom, why? Hosea chapter three, verse five. For the Israelites, they will live many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones and without ephod or household gods. But afterwards, the Israelites will turn and they will seek the Lord their God and David their king. It means David united Israel and Judah. They were looking for the spiritual David and they will come trembling to the Lord and his blessings in the last days. Jesus said, you're living in the days of Hosea right now. Seek the kingdom. They have not had a king in over 680 years, and the nation of Israel and Judah have been torn apart. That Hosea said, "I see in the future that that day will come that where they won't have a king for a long time, but the King of heaven and earth will stand before men one day, and they will seek him." And Jesus said, "Seek me. I am the kingdom of God." I'm exactly what the prophets of old have been looking for. God's promise. For almost 700 years, Israel had not had a king. For over 700 years, they had been divided without a king. And one day the king of heaven came to planet earth. And that's why Israel, that's why the wise men said, we're looking for the king of the Jews that was prophesied by Hosea. This morning, very simple. Let's put God first in all that we do. Let's put him before what you want, what you feel like, what you think, what my heart says, because the Bible says in Jeremiah, my heart is deceitful, I can't trust it. And my tongue is no better. My tongue has the ability to give life and death, and I don't trust it. Because my heart is crooked and wicked at times. But there's one thing that we can trust. It is the power of God resting in us, and He's purifying our heart and purifying our minds, and we're gonna do it God's way. And I've learned through the years that to give it a little time before I make a decision. God, what are you gonna do with this? And if you'll do it God's way, it'll fit every time. Agree? Some of you this morning, you're here and you're struggling and you're saying, I have no idea how this is going to work. I don't know how my home's going to work. I don't know how my job's going to work. I don't know how my health bill's going to, I don't know how it's going to work. Congratulations. Welcome to the club that we don't know. But Terry, there's one that does know. Yes. And he said, If you'll just take care of the first things first, I'll take care of the rest of it. Can we do that? Father, we love you with all of our heart. And we really do. We're just trying to figure this maze and this enigma out of what we should do and where we should go. But we learned a valuable lesson once again today that things in our life that really doesn't matter or things in our life that does matter, and it's real, it has a place, and we wake up with it every morning But by the time we fill ourselves up with small things and even things that is close and near and dear to us, we find out that sometimes we just don't have room for you. What a shame and what a waste. We get angry, we get agitated, we get frustrated, we get worried, we make poor decisions. So we learned a valuable lesson today that we are going to apply 12 divine laws for the believer into our life first. We're gonna seek you first. And lo and behold, you'll cause these other things to be added to our life and everything fits. For everyone this morning, Father, that I pray they're at a crossroad of the decisions, let them first take counsel with you. Before they do something rash, before they absolutely make a right turn, that cannot be irreversible. Let them take the time to seek you. And wherever we go and whatever we do, I have this promise in your great spiritual social security plan that nothing that I've sown into you will ever run dry or run short. You are faithful to your word. The Apostle Paul said this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that I am persuaded. I am persuaded that he that began a good work in me, that he will continue that work until Christ shall come. So from this day forward, let this life lesson apply to you. Put his kingdom first. Put his laws and his character in your life first. And you'll quit being torn apart and divided and taking thought over things you cannot control. God's got it. And let's let him have it. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Turn to about three people and give them a hug and say, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I thought he was looking at me, but I think he was looking at you. Just. Communion servers, please come. So God's not a hypocrite. He gave us his best. He gave us his first. He gave us his only. And he's teaching us the lessons of the firstling, the firstborn, and the first fruit that God said, it really belongs to me your thoughts, your time, your treasure, your talent. It really belongs to me. So your homework this week, early in the morning before you wrestle the kids out of bed, just take a few moments to walk outside or get somewhere close, closed in and just honor God for a few moments. Just give him your first before the TV comes on. Give him your first. Give him your best. Give him the best of your treasure that you wouldn't have trouble spending somewhere else. Sow it into the kingdom. Give your thoughts about him and towards him instead of worrying about what other people think or say about you at work. Who cares? Give God your thoughts. And you'll find out your day will go a whole lot better because it'll all fit because you put God first. That night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he lifted it up and he said that your fathers in the old, manna and quail rained down from heaven and your fathers did eat of the bread in John six, but they did hunger again. But Jesus said, I am now the bread of life and my father has rained down from heaven, me in flesh and blood. And if any man would eat of me, he will never hunger again. And, and they took the bread. Then he took the cup and he lifted up and he said, this blood is the, is the lamb's blood. For 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the first Passover. They would take the lamb's blood in the shape of a cross. when the death angel came that it would pass over. He said, I am the lamb of God now that takes away the sins of the world. And my father will take my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Just remember me. So this morning, ladies and gentlemen, as we remember Christ, it's more than just glancing at a mirror and walking off. We really need to take a checklist of our priorities this morning. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And where do you spend most of your thoughts? That is your priority. And I'm asking you to change your priority this morning. Let's get it back on God. In Jesus' name. Amen.